0: Please stand. We're going to read Psalm 127. This is the word of God spoken this morning to to us, weak and needy people. Here is the word of God for us: a song of ascent of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with... On the day, they will not be left wanting if they believe and and live out these truths. Blessed is the man is a is another key phrase in throughout the Psalms. We're so interested in being blessed by the Lord, and there's only a certain way that you get blessed by the Lord. This Psalm is one of these songs that the pilgrims would have sang. These are the truths that pilgrims, whenever they were making their way from wherever they lived to Jerusalem, those three times a year, whenever the Lord set apart these feasts to call the people to himself to worship, they would sing certain truths. And that's the series we're in, in Psalms of Ascent. As they make their way into the presence of God, they're singing Psalm 127. And what this song contributes to our understanding of a life as a pilgrim for us who are Not yet home, where we're waiting for heaven and we're in the wilderness. Psalm 127 teaches us that the feasts do not last forever. Those moments when they're actually, they made it into the presence of God to worship Him lasted for a short time. And then they had to go back to their homes. What are the things that we should be devoting ourselves to once we get into the parking lot outside? After we've gathered for worship as a people, and we're getting in our cars, and we're driving back home to the day-to-day, we need Psalm 127. When we get into our cars, and whenever we leave church, Is that the time that we habitually let go and let God, So we can kind of ride this worship high for the rest of the week by basically not doing anything, but maybe just reading the the Bible or, or praying. We don't do anything else. We just let God provide everything. Or when we get into our cars and we leave worship is is that the time we got to get a work get to work and, and we'll, we'll just set aside worship until next week when we gather together again psalm 127 is used of god to instruct those pilgrims ascending into the mountain of god to know what to do and how to think Whenever they're descending back to the daily demands of life. And Psalm 127 reminds us we were created to be fruitful. That's on page one of the Bible. Be fruitful. You're, You're to live a fruitful life. But it also reminds us we're to be devoted to the Lord. And it is entirely possible. To do one and not the other. To seek to do one and not the other. One common way that we mishandle the Christian life, that we misunderstand the Christian life, that we mess up from parking lot to parking lot, is we give the Lord only some of our attention. And we surrender to the Lord only some of our time. It's a Sunday morning thing, or it's a Wednesday night thing. Instead, Psalm 127 teaches us that a fruitful life, which we're all called to live, we're responsible to live, a fruitful life, it requires diligence and dependence. The gospel truth, Psalm 127 in a sentence is, a fruitful life requires both diligence and dependence. We see, first of all, in verses one and two, a kind of diligence that you do not want. Point number one, is useless diligence. Useless diligence. The saints of God who had returned from their exile in Babylon when God had had sent uh, a king into their land to take them away from their home and their worship, and because of their sin, they went to a foreign land, and, and then another king comes along and sends them back home. That's that's especially what should be on our mind in, in this section of the book of Psalms. This is, these are the, especially the people who would have been singing these songs when those saints came back to the land of Jerusalem. They came back, as we saw last week, to a land that would not easily yield bread, food for them to eat. They came back to a reality of. Building God's house, the temple. And they were facing influential people who wanted them to stop building the house of worship. They came back to a life where they were seeking to secure the holy city of God. And surely it was on their mind that we were trying to rebuild these walls after the Babylonians had already come in and taken them down. There were day-to-day pressures outside of their gatherings for worship that they had to deal with, and you will face pressures and responsibilities right outside these walls. There are tasks that have to be done. There are bills They've got to be paid. Food needs to be put on the table. There are concerns I know about, some I don't. Of, of family needs that, you, that need to be addressed. The Lord calls us to strive to secure responsibly the future of those we love. Psalm 127 reminds us that being a pilgrim is not all feasting. It's not just withdrawing from our responsibilities to ascend to the Lord. Now that's why they were saved, right? They were saved to worship God. They returned to Jerusalem to worship God. If you're a Christian, you've been made a Christian... Not so you'll just feel better about the last day. You were made a Christian to worship God every day. And you need to know that the Lord is involved in and interested in more than just those times on Sunday mornings or on Wednesday nights when we gather as a church. Every day we live is filled with activity. And those activities can Fill us with anxiety. Listen. Every day is filled with activity. And all of those activities can be filled with anxiety. And Psalm 127 tells us that the solution to our difficulties cannot be mere diligence. Just working hard, just working hard. That in verses one and two, three times, the Lord tells us that without the Lord blessing our works, all of our diligent labors are going to be in vain. The house is going to get built, and it may be in vain. The city, yeah, it it, it might be secure and be in vain. You might b- bake that bread and it will be false. False. Something not true, vain, meaningless about all of that labor that actually accomplishes something. You're eating the bread that you've worked for and it is false because of how it was made. Because of how you accomplished it. You see this? If all your accomplishments are done with anxious toil, then they're not done by dependence on the Lord. And they are false. They're not what they should be. They're not what you think they are. Independence is false. Independence. Depending inwardly, depending on yourself is the American way. It is not the way of faith. You and I are not independent. Every heartbeat, every breath depends on grace. Every aspect of our life is a gift from the Lord and lots of activity with Anxiety describes, according to the psalmist, the life of pagans, not the life of pilgrims. I want you to see that Psalm 127 is is separating the world into pagans, godless, people without faith, and pilgrims. People who are headed to heaven. And if there is lots of activity in your life, with anxiety... Be careful because of verse 2. four. The psalmist explains. For. The reason you should not be eating the bread of anxious toil is because the Lord gives sleep to His beloved. Are you a pilgrim? What's the difference between those who... Are really headed to heaven. Well, pagans, like us, face daily difficulties. And they face it in a certain way. The anxiety of, I can do this. I can do it. If I just take a little more time. If I stay up a little later. If I get up a little earlier. All all that that does is says, I don't need the Lord. I will do it. Martha, as, as those who went to Sunday school this morning found out, Martha was anxious. That sister of Mary, she was anxious, the text says, and she was troubled with many things. She had many things in front of her. And the Gentiles we were told, are anxious. The unbelievers, those who do not have God as a father, they are anxious about life and body, about money and food and clothes. And so they seek those things first. That's proven in their anxiety. Your anxiety proves what you're seeking first and who's going to give it? An anxious rising early and an anxious going to bed late. But notice in Psalm 127, that is not what we're being called to. When the pagan is stressed, the pilgrim sleeps. Listen, you may have been raised to stress. You may see people stressed out all around you. That's not what the pilgrims do. The pilgrims sleep. The psalmist says that sleep patterns signal saving faith. This is so practical. This is getting to the how much you sleep and why you sleep and why you don't sleep. As a signal of salvation. If your difficulties in life make you restless, cannot rest, Cannot turn it off. Cannot think about anything else. The problem may be you're living like God does not exist. The problem may be that you are operating. You're actually living like your diligence is sufficient. You are sufficient. You don't need the Lord. You see, sleep is an act of faith. Going to sleep is a trusting, I'm not keeping my heart going any more than I was when I was awake. I'm going to leave my life in the hands of God. And if you're a pilgrim, you're going to leave more to God. You're going to leave your difficulties with God and you will sleep. We sleep if we are the beloved. Because we know in a way that the world doesn't, the Lord knows my every need. And He is able to meet my needs in a way that I am unable to meet my needs. And here's the most important thing. Not only does He know, not only is He able, but I'm not going to believe the lie of the pagans. The reason they pick this up and are anxiously toiling is it may not be that they don't think God is able. It may not be that they don't think that God knows. It may just be that they don't think God loves the beloved not the pilgrim he gives his beloved sleep he knows he's able and he loves me he who is he if he is the kind of being that never sleeps then you And then you get up and you diligently serve Him. You diligently serve Him. You work hard for Him. Here is the question at the end of the the day. Is the Lord dependable? And, And your answer to that is seen in your sleep. It's seen. That picture of sleep shows... I really do think I can trust him. I really can depend upon him. He really does love me. He really doesn't sleep. He's really at the tower still when I come down. Do you think the Lord is dependable or are you anxious? How you deal with the day-to-day difficulties of your life says everything about your view of God. Listen, we can miss this in two different directions. We can be lazy And have a wrong view of God if we're lazy. We're to be diligent. Because He has told us to be fruitful. And we believe, we depend on His view of reality more than our own. But the other side is you can stress. Stress is a denial of the Lord because you're denying that He's dependable. You're taking His responsibilities from Him and keeping them. Forgetting that it will all be meaningless. If it's going to be fruitful, He's got to do it. He's got to be in it. If it's going to have any meaning at all, He's got to be in it. Or it's all in vain. Now, Jesus is the only one who did this perfectly. You and I have not done this perfectly. We do not do this perfectly. What we see in the Lord Jesus' life is Him... Pouring Himself out in diligence. No one can say that the Lord Jesus was lazy. He was diligently teaching His disciples, calling the crowd and His disciples with Him and teaching them. He was diligently healing. He was diligently casting out demons. He was early up in the morning to go in prayer to His Father. But we also see Him not just diligent, but we also see Him sleeping. And we see Him sleeping in a very interesting moment. It's the moment when this great storm is, is threatening that boat that Jesus is in and all the disciples, they're convinced that they have to be diligent right now. Jesus, why aren't you being diligent right now? We're going to all die. Jesus is asleep. And what I want you to remember is what Jesus said to them about what their problem was. It was a worship problem. Beloved. Jesus looked at them and and he said, you're not sleeping because you don't depend. I'm sleeping because I do depend. Oh, you of little faith. He stands up then and says, peace, be still. And he was not put to shame. The wind stopped. The disciples were saved. That's what you're called to that kind of dependence upon the Lord. That kind of sleeping in the midst of storms. But in order for us to be rescued from that independent kind of diligence of ignoring God with our life, we have these hard hearts that have to be changed. And beloved, the only way that we can cry out to God and say, I'm not sufficient... And I need you even on that we depend upon the Lord and he has provided the strength that we need in Christ's death and his resurrection. When Jesus died on the cross after living a life full of dependence, he was not just taking our sins from us. When God raises him from the dead, he says, you did take your people's sin from you, but I'm also going to give them your dependence." your trust, and I'm going to enable them who believe in you to diligently serve, not their purposes, but my purposes now. If you are someone who, regardless of what you do on Sundays, but when you get in the parking lot, you're just diligent. You're just diligent. Listen. Your independence may seem like freedom, especially in this culture, but all your diligence will be in vain because you are neglecting the better thing. Yes, you were called, and it is a good thing to want to be fruitful. You were first called. The better thing is to be devoted. Devoted to the Lord. And if you're trying to be fruitful and you do all this stuff with your life on the day that Christ returns with His angels, what are you going to give to Him in exchange for your soul? Nothing that you have brought. Nothing can you give Him for all your accomplishments to save your soul from hell. But if you will do this better thing by the grace of God and put Christ first and turn from your independence and trust in Him alone, turn from your sin and follow Him as Lord, you will not be put to shame. Christ will save you. How is it that believers, can we guard ourselves from those Martha temptations. The text said, Martha welcomed Jesus into her home and then she was distracted by all her diligence so that she didn't know Him in the way that Mary did. How do we guard ourselves from those temptations? Before we move on to verses 3-5, through five, I want to give... Four habits of diligence. Four habits of diligence that shows dependence. A way to be diligent and dependent. We need this. Every day, you, you just, by God's grace, seek to build these four habits into your life. Whatever you are doing, be doing these four things in whatever you're doing. First of all, do everything according to the Lord's provision. There, and I know it well, to just be doing what you're doing in your strength. To, to do verse 2 where you're trying to make this bread by anxious toil. You have to even just consciously be aware. Lord, you've got to provide. I'm not going to try to do this without you. And that's going to change some of the decisions you make in your life. It, when, when those moments come where you say, I just don't have time to pray. I don't have time to read. I've got all this stuff to do. Now, one sign that you'll be doing this according to his provision, and you'll actually trust that he will provide, is you'll trust that he provides more time. And you will pray and acknowledge him. Number two, do everything you do according to the Lord's plan. You may be filling your life with diligence and disobedience. What you're doing may not be what he wants you to do at all. And, and if, if he's spoken about this, look to his word and say, Lord, how do you want me to do this? What do you want me to do is what I'm filling my life with even what you call me to do. Am I ignoring things that you want me to do in order to do things you don't want me to do? Number three, do everything you do to please him. There is this principle in Matthew 5, 16, that all our fruit is for his fame. Let the world see all your good deeds so that they might glorify your Father in heaven. All of our fruit is for His fame. Put to death every selfish ambition. Number four, do everything you do with prayer. If you believe, verse one, unless you do this, Lord, it's all in vain. That will make you pray. It will make you ask. It will make you ask for the first three things. Ask him and trust that he's a good father and it will be given to you. Our purposes for all that we do may fail. And this is a way that we can succeed in everything we do. We have a certain role in what we do. And it's not to make that meaningful. It's not to make that true. It's to do it in a dependent way, to be diligent and dependent at the same time. That is success. And we leave the fruit to the Lord. A fruitful life requires diligence and dependence. Point number two comes from verses three through five. And we see there not a useless kind of diligence. We see the opposite. We see fruitful dependence. Fruitful dependence. Verse 3, fruitful homes, the, the Lord says, are a heritage. Now, I want to say this just briefly. Let's just note a principle that comes from Psalm 127. God's Word leads to a very different view of children and family than this world will lead you to. This society will make you think about children and family, something that is the opposite of what you will find out in God's Word. So, what is essential to depending upon the Lord is listening to the Lord. Let's just take this view of God about children From Psalm 127, that they are a blessing. They are not a burden. Beloved, your children are a blessing. They are not a burden. Living in the government we have, that watchman we read about in verse 1, that the Lord installs on our walls, is the government, right? Our government is a gift from God to watch over the security of our people. But friends, the government does not have the authority to put asunder what God has joined together. The government is not called... To take families and separate them. Verses 3-5 through five is an illustration of the Lord being in it. Uh, uh, unless the Lord builds watches. This, this is an example of the Lord building a house. Of the Lord being in our labors. Making our diligence fruitful. And we're told that children are an inheritance and a reward. Now, this gets at both of the things I've, I've said that this, this psalm is about. It gets at diligence and dependence. And if you ever wonder, is Ryan Bishop someone who's going to tell me the truth or not? Is he going to tell me the truth when it's uncomfortable for him or not? Let this be the test case for you. If you know me well, you know certain topics make me squeamish, make me nervous. I don't want to talk about them. And here it is, verses 3 through 5. Children are a reward. That gets at diligence. Uh, God has ordained that children are created in a certain way, as husband and wife diligently. that's That's all I'll say. Reward. Gets at our diligence. Reward, I want you to see, also... (laughs) Why are you making this so uncomfortable for me? Reward gets at diligence, doesn't it? It also reveals dependence because it's a reward given by another. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Inheritance is not a wage. Inheritance depends on on the generosity of a father. Both diligence and dependence are wrapped up in the word reward. And that's what children are. And they're also arrows. Now I imagine some don't want to mess with the USA because we've got a quiver full of nukes. I'm sure there are countries out there that don't want to mess with us because we've got a quiver full of nuclear Bombs, whatever they are. Nukes. In the psalmist's day, if you had a legal dispute or a financial dispute, if, if, if someone in the community had beef with you, you would handle those things at the city gate. You'd go to the gate, it says. And then you would take care of these disputes. You would decide who was wrong and, and then there would be a, 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 a winner in the dispute and, and, and there were consequences for that. And verses 4 and 5 says that if you show up to that gate with a pack of sons... So some of your translations won't have the word children. They actually have sons. That's the literal word. That's not prizing one gender over the other. It's just giving this example that if you have a pack of sons with you at that gate, then your opponents will be as nervous as the country who faces a nuclear arsenal. If you are facing threat... The psalmist says if you've got lots of children to defend the family, whether that's verbally or physically, then you can be as confident as a warrior who's got lots of ammo, who's not showing up with a half-filled magazine. Now let me, let me say something to the children here. Children, listen to God's Word, not to your heart. You are a gift. You are a gift from God to your families. The Lord has given you as a gift that has meaning too. You are called, according to this psalm, to defend the honor of your family. That's that's part of the, the purpose for God gifting your parents with you. You were called to protect the interests of your family. So let me encourage you as as you live in your homes that you should devote yourself to learning your father's and your mother's interests. Because that's what you exist to do, to defend those, to stand with them in those things. That applies to us if we're older children as well. Our parents and in, in, in in their older years, certainly need us there at the gates. But know this, in all, the, in all your call, unless the Lord is in your labors, your efforts will be in vain. So this is first a call for you to depend upon, to put all of the, the responsibility and your hope for its fruitfulness on ultimately the Lord. You do this work for Him and trusting Him. Look again at verse 5 verse 5 and note the difference between the responsibilities of man and God you see this in verse 5 blessed is the man who fills his own quiver with children part of living in a fallen world is, is facing difficulty and conceiving children and Kelly and I remember a season of this, of great sorrow, despite lots of prayer and even even going to to doctors. We struggled for months with infertility. And in the midst of all of that, our pastor uh, helped us to depend upon the Lord in ways that we weren't fully doing yet. He he anointed... uh, Kelly with oil. This is, just, this, is, this is what happened. He anointed Kelly with oil and he prayed over her and asked the Lord to open her womb. And led us to new heights of embracing the truth that the Lord is the maker of life. We are not the maker of life and he has to give life or it would not be given. And we have filled our quiver. Uh, to, just to the, to the brim. Um, each one, everyone, by the blessing, it says in verse 5, by the blessing of the Lord, he did this. So remember, the Lord gives quivers. He's the one who has to give the quiver. And he does it generously. And he does it in his own wisdom. Understand that not all quivers have the same capacity. Right? One quiver might be full at one child. Another could be full at ten. You know, not mine, but (laughs) I I just imagine. Part of dependent diligence is never saying never. Listen, this, this is what I mean. Part of the difference between a Gentile and a Christian, a pagan and a pilgrim, is the pilgrim has a God. So his circumstances today never tell him what's going to happen tomorrow. Never. What that means is whether we're talking about children or something else in our life, we're trying to build a house, we're trying to secure a city, we're trying to, what, whatever, bake bread or whatever it is, we're trying to do labor. We never say never in the sense that all that he's given is all that he's going to give. What I mean is if you want a fuller quiver, if you want a more blessed house or a more secure whatever. Just because you don't have it doesn't mean you won't have it. There is, even if you're discouraged by the circumstances of your life, part of being a pilgrim is saying, the Lord may yet give. Now, we've not said anything uh, about the superscription, the, that... that, that uh, phrase right at the top of Psalm 127, that this is a Psalm of Solomon. I'm not going to say much about this, but but just think about this language with the person of Solomon. Solomon built not just his house. He's the one who built the temple, right? The Lord's house. Solomon's name, whenever David named Solomon, it means beloved. Solomon means beloved. Verse 2, he gives sleep to his beloved Solomon is that first son in the series of David's sons who carried that promise that a that a that a greater son was going to come and ensure the interests of Solomon's father David at the gates of his enemies. When we read this psalm about building a house, securing a city, and about children being a gift, we have to say that Solomon is an utter failure. He introduced other gods into that house. He did not secure the people. What he did with his marriage led to the city being invaded eventually. So, whether Solomon is the psalmist, the one who wrote this, or the psalmist is especially thinking about Solomon, Psalm 127 is calling us to diligently depend on the Lord and to dependently be diligent for the Lord. Not just in physical duties, but a spiritual diligence to build up the new temple, the church of God, to secure the people of God, to fill the house of God and the family of God with many children. We're to live a fruitful life physically and spiritually. We're to diligently depend on the Lord for every fruitfulness. We're to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and He's going to add these things to us. So let me give you two final encouragements on diligently depending upon the Lord for all of our fruitfulness. Let me give you two encouragements for living a fruitful life. First of all, from verse 2, rest in the Lord when the results are unsure. Listen, There's a time to sleep. And the point is the work is not done. It hasn't come to fruition. We are called to rest in the Lord when the results are unsure. What we see may not be what we want. The house. The the threat of those armies coming in. They're getting their shots off. The bread may not be what we wish it were. The children may not be as many. They may not seem for seasons to be living for the Lord or the family's honor. And in those moments, we are to depend upon the Lord, to rest in the Lord that He does good and to trust that even this and everything is only good. There is an ambition that leads to anxiety. But then there's a surrender that leads to sleep. Rest in the Lord when the results are unsure. Secondly and finally, from verse 3, receive your rewards for your labor as His inheritance. You receive your rewards for your diligence for what that really is, That is a heritage. You did not actually earn it. Charles Spurgeon pointed pointed me in his ancient writings to something I did not see, but it's glorious. If you look back at the Psalms of Ascent, isn't this obvious from the very beginning of every one of these Psalms? Listen, Psalm 120, In my distress I called to the Lord, and He answered me. Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills, my help comes from the Lord. Psalm 122. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Verse, or Psalm 123. To you, Lord, I lift up my eyes. You are the one who's enthroned in the heavens. Psalm 124. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, we would have perished. Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of His people. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, it will be built in vain. Every psalm of ascent calls us and tells us who ultimately is the one who does all this. So if the Lord gives you children, if the Lord gives you blessed children who who know Him and who who may be unlike others in the world, if the Lord gives you success at at your work and gives you security financially and and, and prospers you physically and materially, if the Lord secures you from that accident or, or, or protects your health so that you don't face certain things, if the Lord sustains you greatly, you respond to that and say, what do I have that I have not received? It's all Him. Be careful never to say, my hands have done it. We live with great thanksgiving because it's all of grace. All your rewards for the labors you did are an inheritance. A fruitful life requires diligence and dependence. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would make it powerful in our hearts, that we might be changed. We pray that you'd make us fruitful, not lazy and not independent. We pray, Lord, unless you build your house, all of our efforts will be in vain. So will you build up our families, build up our church for the glory of Christ and the good of your people. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.